You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Before we start, I want to just take a, a second to, to pray. When we were discussing, you know, the, all of us that kind of help speak here at RCC, while Antley's been on sabbatical, we all kind of jumped in as a team and we're rotating and Tom Rossi has been our fearless leader and helping determine the themes that we're going to speak on. And um, we were having this conversation here, here a couple weeks ago about those pictures of Jesus. And, and I was sitting there and I just kept hearing Jesus and the suffering, Jesus and the suffering, Jesus and the suffering. And I was like, oh, hmm, Lord, that's a little bit intense and emotional. Like, why don't we do Jesus on the mountaintop, you know, like Jesus in the blessing. And, um, but you know how, how Jesus is. He just keeps saying it till we actually obey. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning is the picture of Jesus that we're able to see in our suffering. When life isn't easy, when life happens and things get really, really hard. Um, but before we do that, I want to pray. Father, gosh, we love you. We love you. And Lord, I know, I know that each and every person in this room, God, you know they're here, you know their story, you know my story, and you want to comfort us today. You want to encourage us today. You want to bring hope to our dark places today. So Holy Spirit, we just set every other thought aside, every distraction, and we ask that you would just come and have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. It seems like 2013 has been a rough year for a lot of people so far. I can think of like a good handful off the top of my head who have really had a lot. Some of them have been tragedies and just horrible things that have happened. Some of them have walked through just really difficult life circumstances. And, and so as I was kind of pondering this and thinking about it, I, I was pondering the suffering that we see in life and as believers, the things that sometimes God allows us to walk through. And I see it kind of split in two different areas. One, I am calling the valley of the shadow of death. One is the valley. It's that place where tragic things happen, where people that we love die where we hear stories of horrible abuse, where we go to India and we see things that we don't want to think about because it's painful to think about them. The valley of the shadow of death, the things that are beyond our control that happen, that leave scars and abuses or watching loved ones suffer. I, I know this is fun to talk about, right? But it's life. It's reality. It's where all of you have been or will be one day. So how do we find Jesus in that place? Do we throw up our hands in that place and say, well, he must not be a good God because I sure see a lot of really bad things happening. So he must not be everything that he says that he is. Or do we find his face in that place? Do we find him beautiful in our suffering, in the valley of the shadow of death? But then there's another place where I see that as a believer, I know that I have suffered. And you see this theme through the Bible of the fire the fire of God, the storms of life, the things that God allows us to walk through because they build character, that they develop things in us, they purify us, they make us more like him. So we're going to talk about both of those things today. But first I want to talk about the valley of the shadow of death. I know that many of you have had really difficult circumstances happen this year, that your hearts have been broken, 
either for your own family and your own situation or people around you, stories you've heard, whatever it might be. Some of you have even been in that place where you said, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't feel the pain that I feel in my heart like this anymore. Today, Jesus wants to meet you in that place because he doesn't want you to be there alone. So we're going to start in Psalm 23 where David felt like he was in the valley of the shadow of death. And he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. How beautiful is that? When you're in the suffering, when you're the one who is brokenhearted, how beautiful is it to know that you are not alone? Like, that was kind of a theme of just that feeling of being alone this morning in the testimonies, of being completely separate and abandoned. But Jesus repeatedly says, you're not alone. I'm with you. I know that this hurts. I know that this is the hardest thing you have ever had to walk through in your life. But I have not left you in it alone. I have not left you in your pain to deal with it by yourself. But I'm standing right there with you. My rod, my staff, they comfort you. My arms are around you in your pain. You are not alone in your suffering. In Psalm 34, verse 18, I love this. He says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He is close to the brokenhearted. A good friend of mine, Dave Zarmack, he was speaking at this event for a, an, an organization in Uganda we all work with. And he was talking about the tragedies that we see there and the horrific stories that we could tell you of the, the lives these children have lived. That is suffering. It is the reality of the world that we live in. And the body of Christ has got, especially in the Western world, has got to stop turning a blind eye to the suffering of the rest of the world because it hurts us. Yes, it hurts us, but we can find him in it. And so Dave was crying out to God one day. He was like, Lord, why are these things happening? Where are you in this? Dave Gates said something similar to this a couple, year, a couple weeks ago. Where are you in the suffering that I'm seeing in these children in Uganda? And you know what the Lord spoke to him? I'm with them. That's where I am. I'm with them. Like what Katie said this morning, I'm with them. He is close, close, right alongside the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted this morning? Have you lost loved ones? Have you seen terrible things happen? Do you know people that are suffering and your heart is hurting? Guess what? He's right next to you. He's right next to you right now. Right next to you. He's with the brokenhearted. He's close. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 147 says something similar, but it goes a step further. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I love that. Because if you've ever suffered... That is the most beautiful glimpse of hope to you. If you're suffering right now, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So do this for me for just a second. Will you just close your eyes for a second and just listen? Can you just picture him next to you right now? Maybe if you're a man, he just reaches and puts his arm around your shoulders. He says, I'm with you. 
Maybe if you're a woman, it's, you can just picture him like wrapping you in his arms and cradling you, saying, I am with you. I know your pain, and I too have suffered. He is close to the brokenhearted. You can open your eyes if you want. Jesus is not afraid of your suffering. He doesn't need to stand on the other side of the, the room because it's a little too yucky. It's a little too intense. It's dealing with issues that are a little too... Jesus was the Word made flesh. Brian talked about this the first week. This picture of this unbelievable God that is beyond anything that we could imagine. The Word that God used to create everything that you see. And then He came a man. He became a man. He was the Word made flesh for us to come and dwell among us. And when He came as flesh, He didn't come in some holiness that separated Him from mankind. But He came to get all up in our mess. He came to get all up in our stuff. He came to get all up in our suffering and our brokenness and our sin. He's not afraid of it. He wants to get in it with us and wrap his arms around us and speak love and hope and truth and light to us so that he can give us joy for mourning. He can give us beauty for ashes. He can whisper to you that you're not always going to be in that place. That there one day will be the light shining again. But while you're there, while your heart is healing, he's right next to you. And I think for some of you this morning, he wants to talk about this because you're suffering right now. Like right now, things have happened in, in this year of 2013 and you are still suffering. And he wants to just pour out that healing over you this morning. Your heart has been broken in the valley of the shadow of death, but he needs you to know that you don't have to be afraid. Because he's with you. He's with you. But then there's some of us that he wants to take us back. He wants to take us back to the things that have caused suffering in your life. I was one time at a conference a woman named Rita Springer. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's a wonderful worship leader. If you haven't, you should grab one of her old CDs. Or new ones, too. And she has this school of worship that she does out in Texas, I believe. I'm not really sure. And uh, all these, you know, worship leaders and musicians and people come to her school. And she was telling a story about a girl that came to her school. And she was a grown woman. And they were in a time of worship. And after that time, the girl was obviously being deeply touched by the Lord in this time of worship. And after that time, she came up to Rita and, and told Rita, like, what the Lord had been doing. And uh, Rita was sharing this testimony, you know, later where I was. And this particular young woman had grown up in a very abusive home. Her mother, like, physically abusive. Her mother would beat her really, really badly. And... Um, and she would run and, and hide. They said she would run and hide in this, um, like, storm drain. And, and she would dance with Jesus there. And as a grown woman, the Lord took her back. And I know that this is intense and this is hard. But I kept trying to get away from this portion of this message. <laughs> and every time I kept trying, the Lord kept pushing me back. So 
I know this is what he's wanting to do for some of you. The Lord took her back to some of those beatings, to some of those moments that were the worst moments of her life that scarred her forever until she found Jesus. And the Lord showed her where he was, again, like Katie's testimony this morning, with the children that she works for. The Lord showed her where he was in those moments. And she said it was one of the most beautiful things. If you can imagine that, one of the most beautiful things that she had ever seen, to go back to her moments of greatest pain and to see where Jesus was in those moments. And I'm sitting in this conference and my mouth just falls open. I'm like, oh my God. Because I had almost the exact same experience where the Lord took me to a place that was probably the most suffering I'd ever seen at one time when I went to India with Kristen. And then in a divinely ordained moment, took me back to my time of greatest suffering and some of the things that I had endured as a teenager that changed my life forever. And he took me back. He took me to scenes of things that happened. And he showed me where he was. I had never heard of that in my life. I have never heard of such a concept of that in my life. Until, this, until Rita's telling a story, and I was like, oh my God, he did that with me. I didn't even know he could do that. I was a young teenager. I wasn't even serving Jesus at that time. And he took me back to specifics, and he showed me where he was, and he spoke the most beautiful things to me. And I have never, ever, ever, and I've been serving Jesus for a while now, I have never seen Jesus and been more in love with Jesus more beautifully then he, when those moments, to, to, to this day, I treasure them as some of my most beautiful, precious moments in that hotel room in India with Jesus that I've ever known because I saw him in my suffering when I thought I was alone and completely abandoned. And you might say, well, why did he let those things happen? Life, sin, the fall, we could debate that till we're blue in the face, but the fact is they happened. And in that moment where I saw that he was with me, the things that I w didn't know were still in my heart to be healed were healed. And it was the most beautiful moment. He was more beautiful to me in that place than I knew possible. So beautiful. He is not ashamed of you. He is not upset with you. He wants to get right into your grieved, broken heart and love you right in that place. I know that you, some of you want to know why, and I wish I could make that a simple answer for you. I wish there could be simple whys, but I know that he is with you because he is close to the brokenhearted. And in India, at Rethreaded, in Uganda, right here in Jacksonville, we've seen the most broken, desperate lives and in that moment where you realize you're not alone, in your moment of greatest grief, suddenly you can find something beautiful. I don't know if you ever study the persecuted church. I love to study the persecuted church because it's very easy um, living in America to forget that they exist, to forget that even now that there are women and men that are being tortured and imprisoned and suffering greatly for the cause of Christ, for the name of Jesus at this very moment. 
and I love to read about the persecuted church. And I encourage you to do that if you've never done it. It will be like the most encouraging stuff you have ever read because you read these stories that you yourself cannot relate to because I have never been tortured. And you read these stories of how Jesus meets them in those moments. Guess what? Only sometimes do they get rescued. Only sometimes do they get delivered. Only sometimes do their circumstances change. But grace enters their circumstances and love enters their circumstances just like he enters ours. And suddenly we can start a new day. We can go one more step. We can say, I will continue putting one foot in front of the other because he is with me. And I know that one day this darkness will end. One day my struggle will end. One day my suffering will end. And I am not alone in it. And there is joy in it. That's why there can be joy for mourning. Does it mean that the reason why we're mourning is suddenly fixed? No. If you've lost a loved one, you know this. They're in heaven cheering you on now. That mourning, that that circumstance doesn't change. But the joy that you can find in the midst of it as he just loves you, as he just loves you, and allows you to be broken and allows you to grieve, but you're grieving in his arms. And some of you need to know that this morning. He loves you too much to let you leave without getting that. Because you needed hope when you walked in here today. And he's given it to you. He loves you. But there's another, another piece that I see. Oh, I want to say this before I move on. This is really important. Um, yeah. Will you do Philippians 3.10, Jonathan? This is Paul writing. And if you know the story of Paul and all that he walked through and went through. And he writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And there is something... I. Paul was encouraging himself. He was like, I'm not the only one that suffered. Jesus suffered for me. And now when I suffer, I can remember what he went through. I can remember what he did for me. And I can participate in his sufferings. I can know him more because of how he suffered for me. There's something beautiful in that. But I want to tie it in with another piece. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, Paul continues to write. And in this, you have to understand, he's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about us. He's talking about Celebration Church and 1122 Church and the church in Uganda and the church in Scotland and the body of Christ, right? It's not just RCC. We're part of a huge body and we are many members, but one body. And he's talking about us and he says, if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it I was so convicted by that scripture recently and I was like Jesus do I live that do I am I so connected with you am I such a part of the body with you that when you are suffering I am suffering with you I am standing there as Jesus made flesh with you in your suffering I am saying I am with you I will walk through this with you I love you because he loves you and you are worthy are we doing that with the body of Christ are we are we getting on our knees and praying for the persecuted church right now that is suffering 
the women in sex trafficking, the children in sex trafficking? Do we have that kind of mentality? Lord, our body is suffering. But then when you move, we rejoice. We rejoice together at what you've done. Not just because you blessed me, but God, because you blessed my friend. Because you blessed the church in Uganda. I'm rejoicing at what you're doing, God. Are we that connected to one another? I was so convicted by this last week. Lord, I want, I want to love people that much that when they suffer, man. And I have to tell you, if you've been here the last few Sundays, I've been so encouraged by that because we've heard multiple testimonies of people saying how other people in this church suffered with them, stood alongside them, lifted up their arms where they were too weak. Mary knew last week, which pray for her. She was admitted to the hospital. She was, she was giving that testimony last week, and it was so beautiful. I was like crying because I love Mary, and to hear how everyone surrounded her when she was so sick last week. It's beautiful. I commend you. commend you for the way that we walk together as a body in this church. Okay, so moving on to the other type of suffering, Jesus in the fire. All throughout, all throughout scripture, and this is where some of you are, and so I have to do this real quick. I won't talk long about it, but I have to do it. Because some of you are not in the valley of the shadow of death, but you sure are in the fire. God is purifying you. He's dealing with stuff in your character. He's dealing with stuff in your personality. He's dealing with the addictive behaviors in your life. And that is not, not an easy place to be. But, you know, the Bible says two things where it says God is. It says God is love. And God is a consuming fire. And never mistake that when the fire is in your life and God is just pushing those buttons and, and exposing things in your heart to you and bringing you to that place of repentance over and over and over again, it's because he loves you. His love is his fire. And if he brings his fire into your life and throughout scripture, it would take me another hour-long message to lay out all the scriptures about the fire of God, but there's a lot of them. You can go look them up. His love is his fire. Hebrews 12 says he disciplines those who he loves. It's not on your list, Jonathan. He disciplines those he loves. <laughs> Mark 9:49 says that we are salted with fire. 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. When we walk through the fire, it's just like when we put gold in, in, in a fire. It purifies us. Sometimes we, we walk through things because God wants to do something in us, in our hearts to change us. James 1, 2, this is our response. Count, consider it pure joy or count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because he's doing something. And I'm going to share this brief testimony because I know I'm going a little bit over. <clears throat> I used to own an art school here in Jacksonville for many years. And we did, uh, it was an art school. We did all kinds of outreach locally and internationally. And it was amazing and it was all I had ever known. And we were in Scotland, and we had just been working in the high schools in Scotland, public high schools in Scotland for weeks, and it, w I, it was unbelievable what we were doing there. And, and so I was getting ready to leave, and there was this old Scottish man, and he comes walking up to me, and he, he stops me, and I'd never seen him before, and he's this little old Scottish man. 
And in this thick Scottish accent, which I cannot do, he says to me, and he knows nothing about me, nothing. He says, God is getting ready to put you in the fire. And when you come out, you'll be like pure gold. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I told my husband was there and we were, we were leaving. We had all the teenagers with us that we had brought, we had brought like 30 teenagers over there. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. That's not, but I knew what he was talking about because the Lord had spoken to me to close our art school. And so for like four months, I was like, no, get thee behind me, Satan. That is not the Lord. I'm not closing the art school. Like literally like wrestled with God for like four months over this, you know? And it was like this whisper, let it go, Courtney. No, I will not let it go. Let me tell you, God, all that you were doing through my art school. Let me tell you, God, about all that you were doing, you know? Until like he just broke me. And I woke up one morning and I knew that like something wasn't right. And I was like, all right. This is what the fire does. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was in the fire in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was crying out so excruciatingly that it said that he even like had droplets of blood like sweat. Please, God, don't make me walk this path. Please, God, don't make me obey you like this. Please, God, is that really what you want? And as Jesus turmoiled and turmoiled and turmoiled, Jesus was suffering, people. He was suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane because he was in the fire of God. And though he was God, he was man. And he had to, if he was going to be, where, but the Bible says that Jesus had every temptation that we have, then at some point, Jesus had to come to face his will to the ultimate just like we will have to do. And finally, he came to this place on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane after he turmoiled and turmoiled. And he said, okay, not my will, but your will be done. If you want me to die, I will die. And on a much tinier, little, nothing level, that's where I had to come. Okay. It's everything I've ever known I think is pretty amazing and awesome. I will have absolutely nothing to show for myself if you make me let go of it. And when people ask me what I'll do, I'll say I do absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's another story. We'll teach on identity crisis later. <laughs> it's about your will. But I want to encourage you, those of you that are in the fire right now, there are two things. The fire is a really good place to get rid of all of our fluff faith. All of our faith that looks good and acts good, but it's not actually rooted and grounded on him. You know, the parable of the storm and how we build our house. That was me. I remember crying out one time after I closed the art school and all hell broke loose, it felt like, because I was now nobody and nothing. Crying out to the Lord, and he showed me this picture, and he was chiseling all this stuff. And I was like, Lord, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting rid of all your fluff faith. I was like, but it's not, there's like nothing left. And all I heard was, all it takes is the faith of a mustard seed. How precious is God? Like, okay, Jesus. So the majority of me was fluff faith, but I'll take the mustard seed, right? Bring the fire, purify me, you know? And then I want to close that fire section with this. The beauty of the fire is that it allows you to embrace like Paul did. I don't have this on the scriptures, but Paul said he cried out to God to change his situation. 1 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians 12. 
And the Lord said, no, because where you are weak, then I get to be strong. And I was like, okay. It's fun to feel like superwoman, but it doesn't bring him any glory. But if I'm nothing, if all of my weakness is exposed, then he can glorify his name, then he can come in, then there's space for his strength. Let's be weak. That's why Paul says, I'll, yes, I'll be weak. I will boast in my weaknesses. I will boast in my afflictions. I will boast in my persecutions. Because with all that weakness aired out there for all to see, my gosh, how strong can God be? How can he come and fill in all that weakness? He can. So we're going to close with 1 Peter chapter 5. And this is for those of you that are in the valley of the shadow of death and your heart is broken. And for those of you who are walking through the fire. And I encourage those of you that are walking through the fire to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Were they alone in the fire? No. There was a fourth man in the fire, right? You're not alone in the fire. He's walking through that fire with you, helping you to be the man and the woman he wants us to be. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. If you're in the valley of the shadow of death, humbling yourself might just be crawling into the arms of Jesus and letting him pour his love over you. If you're in the fire, it's laying down your will. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When we are in suffering, the devil likes to kick us when we're down, right? And that's when he comes to whisper, God is not good. God is not love. God is not true. Why would these things happen? If he loved you, why did that happen? If he loved you, why is there so much suffering? If he loved you, why aren't you getting what he promised you? If he loved you, why is he sending you the completely opposite direction of where you thought you were supposed to go? Lies. He comes like a roaring lion. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers back to our suffer with one another, rejoice with one another. The family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace that is never ending, all we need each day, every moment of the day, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I believe that that is what Jesus wants to do this morning. I believe that some of you, he wants to heal your broken heart. He wants you to know that he's near your broken heart. He's near your pain. He's right in it with you. And for some of you, he wants to encourage you. He knows you're in the fire and he knows it's been hard. And he's proud of you. I feel like some of you need to know he's proud of you. It's not easy to stand in the fire and continue to say yes and continue to obey. It's not easy to be in the valley of the shadow of death and continue to say God is good and he is true even in my greatest suffering. But many of you have and he's proud of you. He loves you so much. All of you, every one of you. So let me pray, and then we'll go into our time of ministry. Father, I thank you for the words that, I just thank you. Thank you. Have your way in our hearts, God. Do what you want to do, Father. Thank you for your love.
In Jesus' name, amen.